Kiki Ma Ma Ma. Welcome to Masters of Horror, inspired by the true story of Cult Film Showdown. I am your host, Jim Kata, and we are talking about Masters of Horror, a TV series that ran from 2005 to 2007, uh, every episode directed by one of the Masters of Horror and often uh, writers. Um, either based on the work of uh, of horror masters or uh, folks who were uh, you know masters of their craft at the time um, and I am joined on this journey by Nick Boxer good evening <laughs> that's all I got all right and Jack Hall so well I understand this will end up uh you know on the we talk podcasts and oh the yeah. cult film showdown youtube yeah. page yeah where uh you can find other great stuff like sporty spice on the norm mcdonald show yeah oh, and uh yeah yeah that's classic and uh and uh, uh you'll put up things like uh sybil danning without all the nude scenes like the best <laughs> of sybil danning not nude because well she's not she's not nude in that it's it's actually that she's not nude in that video in that video to start with, um, but it's a it's a compilation video of nude scenes of other actresses. But I mean that it's it's easy enough to find another way in other places, and it's not going to stay on YouTube with all the nudity. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is true because Still I mean I think YouTube. a lot of us watch a Sybil Danny movie and think, oh man, her nudity sure is getting in the way of her acting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was so excited to watch her acting, and there she is with her shirt off again. Man, fast forward. It's it's not like she's it's not like she's overclothed in this uh, in in the, in the footage that's up. <laughs> it's I mean it's a uh, it's like watching someone slowly put together a cosplay outfit. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So this this time out. We are talking about uh, John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns, which is episode eight of season one of Masters of Horror. Now, Jack, um, for the couple of people that would listen to this show and do not know who John Carpenter is, um, you want to give us a guide? <laughs> yeah, no, this is a, an interesting one that they decided to go with this kid, John Carpenter, because... Uh, I mean, normally we were talking about masses of horrors and we have, you know, Toby Hooper in here and we have uh, our Dario Argento and, you know, and, and uh, just different legendary names. And then they find this kid who's done <laughs> all this. He, he did like the music for Ghost of Mars or something like that. And uh, <laughs> that's definitely what this, will be first in his in his obit as far as his credits. I go. think so. <laughs> and and then he disappeared. And like so, like this kid just shows up. His name was what was it again? John. Well, I have uh, it written down. Johnny Carpenter. Johnny Carpenter. Johnny Carpenter. So he shows up. This this musician who's done like one soundtrack, I think, shows up out of nowhere, and uh, they give him a, a, a master of horror thing. And tell him to direct an episode, and then he disappears. No legacy whatsoever. So this Christopher Plummer, he hasn't really worked that much before. No, no. <laughs> Who's he? All right. So, and, uh, and who are our writers? In all seriousness, John Carpenter is John Carpenter. 
Yeah. Uh, best known the man for who I had the chance to get his autograph. I got an autograph and headshot from, and uh, nice. as I was walking away, he goes, hey, hey, come here. And I turn around, I walk towards him, and he goes, thank you. Holds out his hand, shakes my hand. I'm like, this is a cool man. This is a cool oh, wow. man. He's he's awesome. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of John Carpenter, of course, The Thing, Halloween. Um, Christine, uh, you know, the music is as iconic as, as, the, uh, as the films. Uh, his son did the music on this particular project. Um, yeah, I saw that. That's pretty terrific. Yeah, Cody Carpenter, who also did the music with him in the the latest Halloween trilogy, um, and I think he's worked with him, goes out with them on tour and stuff, because uh, you can find John Carpenter on tour doing music from his different movies, and uh, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. You know, he's done some other work in some other genres as well, but he's just um, when you. Again, I don't know who's the most iconic director they have in this thing, but I know John Carpenter's in the argument. I, I think it's probably pretty telling that in the episode list, uh, I think this is the only one that, that has the director's name in the title itself. Uh, this mm. isn't Cigarette Burns. This is John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns. Uh, so <laughs> I think that that's... Uh, a sign of who this guy is. Uh, who wrote this uh, this episode? Um, nobody I recognized. I, okay. I looked up, didn't see names, any anything of uh, note to the to the thing. It's uh, an adaptation of a short story, and uh, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I looked them up. They weren't uh, they weren't names that I was overly familiar with uh, in this case. So um, you know, I mean, it. I, I half expected as I was looking it up. To see John Carpenter himself had adapted it because he he does do a lot of his own screenplays, right. but in this case he had not. It is it is uh, adapted from two other working. Let's call them working writers. Yeah. Um. And, and uh, didn't write a whole lot of else actually. Yeah, you're right. No. Uh, yeah, very thin credits outside of this. So, um. Nick, tell us uh, tell us a bit about uh, what cigarette burns. Um, okay. If you do your best to tell us what cigarette burns is about. <laughs> okay. The master of subtlety himself, Udo Kerr, uh, hires uh, Norman Regis, yes, Daryl Dixon himself, to um, find a film for him. Now, Kirby, who is the name of the character Daryl Dixon is playing, is a drug addict, drug addict, theater owner, and film finder. I think that's a job. Um, <laughs> and this mysterious film seems to have a curse. And everyone who's touched it has had violent repercussions. Now, every step, step along the search basically is a pretty obvious sign that he should not look any further but you know what he goes through all the steps he finds the film and brings it back to Udun Kaur or I said his name earlier I can't say it again I don't know why um <laughs> I just brings it back with disastrous consequences and there's yeah, an yeah, it's an interesting concept 
it's an interesting concept. I mean, I think I think this concept actually has been kind of taken and played with before, but I think it's, since this has come out in, what was it, 2004, 2005? 2005, yeah. 2005, yeah. Since then, I think this concept has been played with an awful lot more, actually, um, because it is an interesting concept behind it, just the idea that... that uh, I think there's a Roman Polanski film that came out before this, that did it, it with be. Johnny Depp with the book, but oh, that was uh, the gate. Was that the gate? It could be the gate. Yeah, I think that might even have been a Stephen King based on a Stephen King property, if I remember correctly, but could be wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept, regardless. It's kind of the idea that there's this curse behind this film, and you know, everybody wants to see it because it, it's so compelling and its legend is so, so important. But the the actual, you know, to watch it is to occur uh, a bloody death for yourself and anybody around you, basically. So it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept. I found the actual, actual film uh, or episode or whatever we want to call it a little slow. Uh, I think the concept was probably really interesting, but I found it myself. I found it a little. It is a slow burn, I think, and and that is done on purpose. But but it, it, I found it lacked a little energy, personally. Um, really, I found I I found the opposite. Actually, I thought every character we met in this was so eccentric that it took me out of it a little bit. I mean, every everyone was so over the top. Um, the the snuff film guy. And that that really comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? <laughs> and that one, I, I mean, yeah. even the Japanese butler um, is just so incredibly cartoonish um, that I found entertainment there. I mean, there isn't much story to be had. He just goes from place to place saying, do you have the film? Uh, but the characters are kind of fun. <laughs> that that is an, that's a, a great observation. That that uh, most of the movie is is him walking up to people and going, "Hey, that movie that is basically impossible to find. You got that?" Yeah, yeah <laughs> and everyone's and and more specifically, the whole movie. You know what? It's eight yes. millimeter. It's eight <laughs> millimeter with Norman Reedus instead of uh, instead of <laughs> Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. <laughs> yeah. Basically, what this is, you basically summed it up for me now. I, I, and it, it's it's a bit odd that it kind of vacillates between how how hard it is to find this movie, um, because at first, like they tell you that the only print that ever existed was destroyed by the the government in somewhere, and uh, uh, and then like the next person he's talked to had run the movie at a private screening for a group of people. <laughs> so he's had it in his hands. Uh, he never really explained his melted hand either. Uh, well, no, he said he, he says that the, he has he a did. he has a hand they that's just used together. He says that he woke up with the film reel sitting on it. Um, that his hand and, and like and so that even touching he had originally tried to turn off the film. Yeah, and then woke up with the with the reel sitting on it, and that and the hand was deformed like that. Um, again, one of those characters where it's like maybe I mean maybe you found him interesting, Nick. I, like that character, I'm just like he's just like he, all of a sudden he's there, 
and he's kind of dickish. Then he's like, but I like you. And then, you know, he's like, he's hiding everything. And then he gives him this address, his phone number, and says, don't call this if I was you. This guy's dangerous. <laughs> the first thing he does, of course, is call him. And that guy is like, is, did this snuff film actually happen? Because I, or was that imagined? Because all of a sudden he's, he's tied up. And then, and the guy's kill the guy's killing his his Uber driver or whatever, uh, taxi driver, I guess at this point, um, he's the guy's killing his taxi Norman Reedus's taxi driver. Then and Norman Reedus is tied up, and and then all of a sudden, the guy's two goons are gone, and the guy's on the ground, and Norman Reedus is on top of him, and the guy's throat is slit, and I'm like, it was like, did it happen? Did it not happen? I'm. I'm very confused but by this whole thing. My take of that was that it all happened um, because there's one of those. Uh, I I'll go back a step. That the the title "Cigarette Burns" refers to the mark that was on a physical print of the film that told the projectionist when the next reel started. Um, for quite a long time, they've just linked the move. They just link the reels up and they run on a platter, so the it's the film is one film. But they used to be in. What were they what were they nick like 14 minutes eight like 20 minutes something like that um, um it depends what speed but they were huge reels originally yeah and then when when projectors got smaller they packed them in smaller yeah. reels so yeah so the yeah so the i mean the the cigarette burn itself is a it's a burn mark in the upper right corner uh as you look at the film um and uh uh well known by well known to anyone who has seen the film Fight Club, where they explain exactly what it is and then show you it. Uh, and uh, so, well, they but show that's... it here. They show it in an in our in our gentle film. Oh, here they? and they, yeah, they they do show you the, the cigarette burn in the film. The guy's taking it out of that film, saying when you remove it, it causes anarchy. It's remember? yeah, it's a. I, I was uh, I was wondering about the artistic license of explaining the cigarette burn wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's not like John Carpenter doesn't know that. So so I mean, it's clear it's a choice to do what they're doing in the story. Um, I mean, it's and not like John Carpenter was not aware of the cigarette burn is. Um, because he what what the guy explains it, the guy says when you see the cigarette burn you know that something's about to happen in the movie which is exactly the opposite of what but where the cigarette burn usually is you want it at a they, quiet they moment. didn't make those cuts from reel to reel at random they did no. they they did put them in at scene breaks yeah i mean i know that's a little specious but you do have that something happening every scene, so it does make sense in, from that point of view. Yeah, but you're you're right that they they weren't like an exact an exact minute count because you want to put them where it's not going to be, it's not going to be super noticeable if you lose some frames. Because what would also happen is, is that as you um, splice together and then and then cut these films back apart, then uh, then you would lose a couple of frames each time, which is what they tell you in Fight Club. Uh, and uh, so you want it somewhere where no one's going to notice that a few frames are missing, like like the end of a scene. Uh, they also, when they start using the cigarette burns on the screen, and that's that's what I say about the about the snuff film scene, is that you get that burn right before he blacks out. 
Um, and that happens twice in the movie that's that there's a cigarette burn shock kind of point and then he wakes up. Um, so I think that I think everything in this film happens that they say happens. I don't think there's like dream sequences in this one. So so you don't think that's a dream. So you think nope. that the snuff film at part actually did happen? Uh, yes. Yes. So you I, think that guy you think that guy killed the, the taxi driver. Yep. And and that Norman Reedus is tied into his chair. Yep. And that then the, the two goons decided to walk away while Norman Reedus I, I don't was think they untied. I think they're I think they're also dead. Like I think they're also dead in that room after he comes okay. he too. But so, but either way when he so, comes to so yeah. untie him and he goes nope. uh nope. all Rambo on their ass and kills all three of them. No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, um, I mean, you got to remember this is a movie that has like demons in it and a oh, haunted yeah. film. And <laughs> I mean, looking f- like you're looking for a, a, a plausible reason that this would happen with real world rules, and we're not within something that has real world rules. No, I, I think if you watch it, I mean, the cigarette burns there are just sort of drunk up and fucking with the audience a little bit. Yeah, well, they they fit into that explanation of the cigarette burn as something's about to happen. Um, also, like, it was also a strange. Uh, it was an artistic choice, and I, I'm I'm wondering if you have a take on this. The cigarette burns, as I said, are always in the upper right corner, so that the projectionist sees them. Like you always want them in the same corner, um, but they put that cigarette burn all over the place on the screen. Uh, it's only kind of yeah. near the end that it actually ends up in the spot that it in it is in the real world. So, uh, like, what was your take on that as a as a choice? You know what? I didn't notice until you mentioned. I'll have to think about that. Not that now. Jack? I can't come up. <laughs> what was that, Jack? <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't sure which who you were talking to, me or uh, both, both, or either. Nick. Either. Okay. Um, I, I think I said you guys. Because um, a couple of times it's in the place it would nor- normally be. Um, but other times it's like that burn mark is in the dead center of the screen. And I guess that our. So we're on YouTube. I, uh, you yeah, just put I, that I in the know. comments I, below. <laughs> perhaps. I mean, to me, I, I, I feel like it's one of those things that. I guess maybe you know, like you say Carpenter would have known, but I think the the percentage of the audience that is would be aware of that is so incredibly small that uh, you know I, I well and and that's I mean that, see be, it as a big deal. It'd also be an editorial decision. Um, I mean, I assume he would be involved in that, but maybe not. Um, so that and it you know it, there could be some like very simple uh, production reason, like on some TVs that corner could be cut off um, that's very true we have to keep in mind this is back in it's 2005 era. yeah yeah it's the era when that when the switch over to probably 720p is about you know it's it's yeah 50 probably 50 percent of the audience has has a high definition television at this point yeah and a lot of people are still watching things on on uh, four to three televisions so like you could easily lose that corner um, yeah, exactly. So it could be something like, uh, simple like, as that. like your parents are still doing to this day. 
No, my parents have a fantastic TV. Um, and they finally uh, upgraded the, the, Oh, it's terrific. It's a great TV. And uh, I'm not sure if it gets a fourth channel. Um, <laughs> but I know it gets uh, it gets the channel that shows uh, Columbo at night. And it uh, and it gets the Hallmark channel, uh, the W Network, which is playing Hallmark movies, um, Christmas Hallmark movies till Christmas. And uh, it gets uh, and the Weather Channel. After Christmas, they're playing next year's Christmas Hallmark movies. That's right. Christmas. <laughs> Man, that's a that's a great industry. Like it just fascinates me as a business. I think I saw something like that they are producing by Christmas this year, like by Christmas this year from November till something like 80 films that are Christmas related or Thanksgiving related, you know, uh, and how like many started one Lindsay Lohan? Just one, just one. And God, and that was amazing. That's one of my new Christmas watches. <laughs> I freaking love that. Oh my God. It was Did funny. It enter the octagon. Well, not the way you guys are. Um, it, I, mean, I don't. Th- it's not anything. It's exactly what you think it is from that genre. Like that's what it, that's what impresses me about that genre is that uh, as predictable as some of the genres that that we uh, normally do on the show are, uh, the 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 Christmas Hallmarky movie, uh, and they're not all by Hallmark, obviously, uh, but that type of film is. There's only about five plots to those, and uh, oh, I know. And it, it's astounding, and but they churn them out and they make money, and I, you know, bless them for that. We all um, know that girl that loves them. Don't oh yeah, we, we all know yeah. that girl who's just oh, I just saw it. My, I got to watch, yeah. watch them all, and I, you know, my mom, like my mom watches those, yeah. Like yeah, she, they, yeah, she had it on. Like she would flip it back to that channel, like whenever uh, no one was when she had hey, when she had the controller, it would go back to Hallmark. And or W, I think it was, and uh, yeah, and it's they just and and uh, you know our one of our B movie idols, uh, Fred Olin Ray. That's what he does as a job now. Uh, he no has way. for year he has for years produced family Christmas movies. Uh, Fred Olin Ray. Fred Olin Ray. Yeah, I would love to have been there in the first one. He's producing it. It's a family <laughs> Christmas movie. And then when he sits there and goes, you should take your top off. I wonder. <laughs> Probably be quite a change. And then for they him explain to him, no, 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 it's a, it's a Hallmark movie. And he goes, so? So, so, get <laughs> like, her, so get her a card that says take your top off? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, but I mean, think of the skill set of you can tell a, com- you can tell a coherent story you can arrive on a budget and you can work in a short time period. That's, that's what you need to do those kinds of movies. Um, you know, Wynorski did a, did a few, Wynorski also did a few family films, um, but they kind of, Wynorski kind of went to that sci-fi channel run, which is exactly the same yeah. kind of yeah, skill set. But I think he had, I think he had unrated cuts that went to straight to DVD still. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think he could himself. <laughs> I, I feel like that dog gone to Hollywood doesn't have a, a, a like a a darker cut to it. No, none of his Jay Andrews <laughs> would would have an adult cut. I'm pretty what? sure. I'm pretty sure dog on whatever whatever dog on world or whatever you called it 
pretty sure it's made, made three of those yeah he made <laughs> what's three of those. Most, That's funny awesome. is that, like if ha having watched so much of Wynorski's like having watched everything I could find of Wynorski's oeuvre uh you see these actors that pop up over and over because in the same way that he gets hired because of a skill set of you know on budget and on time he works with actors that he knows he won't have to have yeah, they won't have problems with so he uses the same people over and over and then when he makes that transition from like he was eh, from the uh uh the softcore and the like the 90s vi direct to video stuff that he was doing as jay andrews and then you've got the softcore era the cinemax type stuff and then the family movies and you see actors follow him in, like through that path <laughs> So there's there's actors who had a, her top off in an earlier movie who are now like running the candy store where the kids go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, Did you not run Jeremy Anyways. by any chance? <laughs> I, I don't think he does. No, I, I don't. I don't remember him in any one or movie, to be honest. Uh, were we talking about something? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Reference. <laughs> kind of lost, of we may have lost our way just a little bit. Cigarette but, burns. Uh, um, I, well, I mean, every, everyone loves a film about a film. Um, and uh, honestly, the the uh, the Norman Reedus character in this film, who uh, just like, you know, he says at one point he doesn't he doesn't want a regular movie. He wants something different. He wants something like something that no that he hasn't seen before. Um, I forgot what the exact line is, but uh, at at that point in the in the movie, here, I was like, "Hey, that isn't that what we do? <laughs> isn't that just us? <laughs> like, if you told us that there's that there's a movie out there that uh, it might make us crazy when we watch it, you know, we'd watch it. <laughs> I mean, maybe not oh, together, you know. but I, we would. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I I don't know about that. I stay away from the cannibal Holocaust swings. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> the Mondo Kane films. Uh, this also plays with some interesting uh, with some uh, urban legends about film, um, uh, snuff films, for example, uh, which are prominent and shocking in this. Uh, and there's a, there is a short reference to subliminal messaging. Um, so it's a there's some inside baseball film stuff to this. Uh, the, when the guy, a, a, when the guy finally gets the print, and he's like, you know, he gets his uh, his butler to like uh, get the movie ready, and he sits down, and he's pouring his champagne. I'm like, and he's paid two hundred thousand dollars plus expenses to get this movie in his hands. Uh, all I could think is. No one better talk during this. <laughs> like, like, you've played over $200,000 to watch the movie once. You don't want to be the guy who left his phone on. Ah, <laughs> uh, good point. Good point. I think a lot of the, uh, the, the success or failure of this, and like I say, I found it a little bit slow. Um, I think a lot of it is, is when you actually finally see the film, Mm -hmm. Is it properly creepy? So did you guys find it properly creepy for the legend that had been built up around it that we got heading into it? I got a thing with fingernails being snapped off, so yes. 
creep me that, the fuck that part made me feel, ah that it, part it, was uh, uncomfortable it did remind me of uh of the way the 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 video is in the ring um you know the video kills you after seven days uh that it's just a flash of images rather than a narrative like uh, it's just like a minute of random of like seemingly random images um and if it was like to me it was either that was the movie as i assembled it in my head or eraser head uh, <laughs> it was like like a or this it was like a david lynch student film um is what uh what was actually on the reel there um but yeah it's i, I mean they still try it's it's almost like I and mean, you, you you have to show something like you need to pay that off after you've talked about it this much um but you also don't want to break that it's a normal thing after that like it's it's still someone who was very experimental film and didn't believe like it didn't want to be in hollywood didn't want to make those kinds of movies um that's true yeah it did bother me that the film the guy who fed himself into the film projector yeah. yep that couldn't work <laughs> that was the least realistic part yeah uh, and that was and so shocking it was so shocking playing, despite the fact that he had obviously What's that two put his intestines into the film projector so how could the film still be playing <laughs> Well, it's cursed. It's not a regular film. It's a I, magical, had, mystical film. I, th I think he had two projectors, but uh, but you're right. Like, I mean, there's still <laughs> one strong projector anyway that can yeah, you oh, know, for sure drag that yeah. kind of weight. He he must have pulled them out first so that there was some slack on it. Like, I don't think it could have done that itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there, uh, it's actually quite a gory. Uh, that that it is very yeah. gory. Yeah. Especially for John Carpenter, I mean, yes, I mean, the thing is gory. But you look at the rest of his work, not very gory at all. No. So it, it's, you know, uh, in some ways, to me, it was kind of shocking because it is uh, that, that John Carpenter kid. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it, that, I mean, the scene with uh, Udo Kier's final scene is uh, is quite shocking. Like, it's pretty graphic. Um like it was a cover my eyes for a second, like, oh my God, I don't think my brain's ready for what's what's happening right now. Um, <laughs> so, it, yeah, having, it was- Having uh, just watched Terrifier 2, it was nothing. Uh, <laughs> oh, Terrifier 2 is out? Oh man, Terrifier. Having I, just, yeah, it's now, my, it's now available for home video. I love that. Uh, uh, so I have a 12 year old nephew. Having just watched Return of Duke Nukem or Return of Nukem High Volume oh, 2, yeah. it's uh, nothing. That's awesome. Uh, uh, I have. I like the that. first one a lot more. The second one. <laughs> the first one was flaccid, better, yeah. yeah. Too much flaccid fat guy penis in the second one for me personally. <laughs> you know, the first one own. was better, but it's. Uh... I thought that was your specialty. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yes, having those pictures of myself, yes, that's my specialty to take. But to watch it in in a film, it's so it's you're bad. saying for a connoisseur, it just doesn't uh, just just <laughs> doesn't uh, work. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. For for those people looking for as as a flaccid uh, fat guy, flaccid penis, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, expert as expert. I am. Yeah, no, I mean, Recognized I, I, could have, I, I could teach the master class, but the point being here is that there's one thing to be taking selfies in the mirror of it, and there's a no other thing to be watching a film on it and going, oh no, the camera's panning down. He's going to stop, right? He's going to stop, right? The joke is that he's not going to stop, right? He doesn't stop. Oh my God, that's a close-up of a fat man slashed penis for a really long time now. Bit of trivia. Uh, Jack and I were in a grunge band together, and Fat Guy Flaccid Penis was the name of our album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the picture of it, me. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, we saved money by not needing the fold-out uh, uh, CD case. Uh, <laughs> what were you going to say about your 11-year-old nephew? and? Uh, my, my, yeah, that's a the great, uh, great link there. Uh, my 12-year-old, what I've discovered about uh, the kids today is that they watch a lot of stuff on YouTube and they watch, like, they'll watch a trailer or a highlights video on YouTube and then they say they saw that movie. Um, and uh, and my nephew is like he's he's told us he's seen movies and then we watch the whole movie and he's like you know he's clearly seen some kind of trailer or something. Uh, he told us that he had seen Terrifier, and I'm like we saw Terrifier. <laughs> and if you had ever seen Terrifier, you would never have stopped hiding. <laughs> we would never have seen you again because you'd never leave your basement again. <laughs> I I needed to I needed a, de a decompressed vacation after I saw Terrifier. <laughs> oh, ter after I saw Terrifier, I I I mean, and Terrifier Two is probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> like as far as like like gore, yeah. I mean, I, I needed a shower after watching that thing. <laughs> Yeah, I there's, there's like a lot it. of times that I want to go back and watch the first one before I watch the sequel. I, I think I'll pass this time. I think. Uh, yeah, I think you. I think you probably have it. I it's think you're like, probably good. It, it, did you watch it, All Hallows uh, Eve? I did. Yes. The the and uh, and if you go on uh, Internet Archive, you can find the original short film of Terror of Terrifier uh, that was edited into yeah. All Hallows Eve. Um, they were most uh, most of that movie is short films that the director had made and then cut together into an anthology. Um, so you could find and but the terrifier sit leaking and uh, linking sequences were new. Um, but uh, yeah, the 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 main terrifier story, um, yeah, was a a short. So when the so after Udo Kier, uh, Udo Kier has called our hero Norman eh, Norman Reedus to come back to the house. Um, Are we like still not, about this? Yeah, we, we might as well. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, so uh, Norman Reedus comes in just as the credits are rolling, and he is he is dead set. He's not going to watch this movie. He knows that it's how bad it, how like awful it's going to be for him. Knows like the curse and everything. Wants to be done with it. Sees that the credits are rolling, and and my first thought was. God, I hope for his sake there's no post-credit sequence. <laughs> it, it would be a pain in the ass for like, oh, thank God. And then there's like, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus recruiting people into the new Avengers or something. Yeah, that's what that's who exactly <laughs> when I when I think this film's likely to have a uh, it was Julia Louis-Dreyfus recruiting people into the new Avengers was exactly where I was going. I'm like, oh, maybe the terror. Did, was okay. anyone else taken out of the film 
by the love interest. I mean, really, she was only there for the nudity, I think. But she does get yeah, a couple lines. Nudity, it wasn't high quality nudity. No, it and, was, and yeah, it was and, dead, uh, dead in a bathtub, blood nudity. Yeah, yeah and that's I, it's. I mean, if it's your thing, fine. Um, I no, no I'm, I'm not talking about the actual nudity. I'm just <laughs> saying the casting call is obviously better than the flaccid penis. I'm just wondering if you yeah. thought she was as bad actor as I did. Uh, I mean, she doesn't have a lot. Well, I thought she played. A, I thought the part where she was playing a uh, a junkie, and she acted like a junkie. I thought she played a fine junkie. Yeah, I thought she nailed that. Yeah. See, not see that was the thing I had a problem with. She was so junkie-ish. When Norman Regis, <laughs> like Norman Regis, always comes off as a junkie, yet he doesn't have any of the. Yeah, he, he wasn't shaking or anything like that, but he did have the. Itch. It is true he comes off as a junkie, even though you've never seen him chewed up or do drugs <laughs> or anything, even like have a drink, and yet totally. If somebody said to you, "You know, he's actually a junkie." You'd be like, oh, "I know." Oh yeah, that makes that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, not even that makes sense. That's a. I know. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. I can't. I can't stand the lawsuit. <laughs> I don't think you can sue for looks like a junkie. Um. <laughs> I believe that might be his like on his calling cards. <laughs> looks like a junkie. Smells like yeah. a junkie. Yeah, junkie. Hire Norman Regis. I can play. Yeah, I can play. Uh, uh, I like how you keep on calling him Norman Regis. No, I was, like he's I, Regis I just, Philbin. If not if you. I do, then it's just uh, it's it's uh, not you. You're not doing it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, is it, Nick keeps calling him Norman Regis. Sorry, Norman well, that's Regis. Funny. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just gonna do that. That's... <laughs> Gelman, go back and edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Fix that. Oh, I miss Norman um, Regis. <laughs> Nor Norman Norman Regis and Kathy Lee. That's uh that was a great show. Um, <laughs> oh, that was a, that was good stuff right there. I like the part where he was shooting up and she wasn't. So uh <laughs> um, okay, one Focus. last one this last episode. Uh, that's what last this episode will movie. First one thing you're time. gonna put down on the description of this episode, focused. <laughs> I mean, this is a deep dive into <laughs> John Carpenter's cigarette burns. <laughs> this is a, a we have talked about John Carpenter's cigarette burns without talking about John Carpenter at all. You're welcome. If <laughs> <laughs> you've seen a lot of movies about John Carpenter, well, this is not one. Um, <laughs> you will learn nothing yeah. about John Carpenter in this. Uh, no, you'll, you'll learn nothing. But I will learn question. a lot about flaccid penis. I, I want I one last question for you guys. I want you to dig deep with this one. So, uh, so uh, Bellinger, the guy who pays more than two hundred thousand dollars to get this film, and uh, the film then makes him insane, and he pulls his guts out through using a using a movie projector. Um, do you think this is? the worst film that Uo Kier's but ever been involved in or <laughs> no 
<laughs> worked with you with bull. Oh, there you go. Multiple times, hasn't he? <laughs> I feel like the, if this was really Udo Kier, he'd watch that and go, eh, like, I mean, maybe trim out a couple of minutes. He'll work on, he'll, it'll work in Europe. <laughs> but yeah, UA Bull, Bull, didn't he work with him multiple times? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was also in that Nazi. So he's the one guy who could stand him. Because, uh, <laughs> the check's clear. Give him yeah. what you will about Yui Bull. The check's clear. Uh, another softball uh, Canada spotting. Uh, we do end up in Vancouver for part of this episode. Uh, Vancouver playing Vancouver. Um, also, the uh, the Vogue Theater, which is the theater that uh, Norman Regis's Norman Regis's character um, owns, uh, is a real theater that had been a movie theater until uh, the early 21st century, and is now a uh, uh, venue for live performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that uh, I, I spent the entire time over there in Vancouver looking for Vancouver license plates, uh, personally. <laughs> and, uh, they, the other not episode, a single one. They managed to hide it very well that they were that, in Canada. They're filming yeah. that scene in Canada. That other episode that end the, that uh, they end up in Vancouver. They make a point. Like the license plate is actually a plot point. Uh, so yes. they have to go the opposite direction to the normal, like avoiding the license plates. Because uh, <laughs> that's how he finds her. Is that he finds a BC license plate, and then it's incredibly easy to find this person. Uh, <laughs> go back and listen to that episode. Uh, I can't remember which one it is, so listen to all of them. Uh, <laughs> all right, as as Jack pointed out, uh, we do put these episodes on uh, podcast apps everywhere, and also we have a YouTube channel that has lots of other stuff, as well as the long archive of the Cal- uh, Cult Film Showdown, Search for the Ultimate B-Movie. We're sponsored by wetalkpodcast.com, and they have a Facebook, and they have a Twitter. And you can find the Cult Film Showdown on Patreon. Support the heroic work we are doing with Masters of Horror. We are we're being sc- terrified by these movies, so uh, so that you can be terrified by them later. I guess I'm like I'm not. We're not discouraging you from watching them. So please um, watch. Yeah, we've kind of kind of ran off the rails halfway through that promise. Um, <laughs> the, and uh, and we are also on the Instagram. Uh, Next episode. Did anyone uh, anyone look this up? (laughs) I did not. (laughs) That's okay. The next the next uh, episode we'll be talking about uh, is the fair haired child. Uh, That's the name of the next one, and uh, directed by uh, William Malone, who is someone I'm not familiar with. So I'm looking forward to uh, hear for Jack to enlighten me. Uh, And uh, so that wraps it up for this episode and we will talk to you soon.